My heart skips skipping the beach You're not close enough So that space between you and me Let's lose it The way you're dancing Swaying to the music Girl, that body and how you move it Every time you cross my mind Girl, I lose it Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hey, podcast listeners. This is your humble host, Michael Smalley, and I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at Smalley Institute. Well, today, my listening friends, we get a chance to chat with one of America's best-known marriage experts. His books have sold literally millions of copies around the world. But for me, your humble host, he will always, always be known as the wrong Gary. I can't even begin to count the amount of times I have watched my own father, Dr. Gary Smalley, sign a book actually written by our guest today, Dr. Gary Chapman. Countless people have approached my father over the years with their personal copy. They would literally have a copy of the five love languages, and every time they look my father in the eyes and say, and I'm quoting, Dr. Smalley, your book, The Five Love Languages, saved my marriage. Would you mind (laughs) signing it for me? Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am, of course, Michael Smalley, and I have my my co-host extraordinaire, as usual. Seth Johnson. And the gentleman laughing in the background <laughs> is none other than Dr. <laughs> Gary Chapman. Welcome, sir. How are you today? I am doing great. You know, I remember uh, talking to your father and telling him, I said, you know, people uh, in the early years would bring me your books and, <laughs> and, and, you know, say similar things to me. And I would say, well, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not Gary Smalley. I'm Gary Chapman. And they would be embarrassed. <laughs> You know, yeah. And so I told him, I said, so, but now I don't ever do that. They hand me your book. I just sign your name. (laughs) (laughs) And And that's when he, he said to me, you haven't signed nearly as many of my books as I have signed of the five love languages. (laughs) Trust me. And it always stunned me that they would use my dad's actual name, Dr. Smalley, and they're holding your book. (laughs) I never could like, it must be that the two of you are just kind you know, kind mentor-looking men, and and they just associate the two of you together. Well, I think that's true, and it's fine with me because I loved your dad. He yeah, was, he, he was a good. He one. was a great guy. He was a lot a of humor, one. but seriously committed to to marriage, and and had a passion for helping people with their marriages. So, yes, I always did. enjoyed being with him. Yes, he did. And you know, speaking, you know, since you brought my father up and how much you respected him, when I was perusing your website today, you actually have a whole section on recommended books, and I didn't notice any of my books there. <laughs> 
So I, I'm surprised hearing how much you respected my father. I kind of figured I'd get a shout out. <laughs> well, I'll have to talk to my team because yes. my team does that. Okay. <laughs> hey, actually, and you may not know this, but you you actually gave my wife and I, Amy, a wonderful endorsement for our latest book. So I actually yeah. thank you very much. You were very kind. Yeah. In uh, your, you are welcome. In your door. So I, I tried to convince the publisher just to call it the five love languages with Michael and Amy Smalley, but they wouldn't go for it. For some reason. Oh. So, well, hey, I am thrilled to have you on the show today. And um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many interviews you're doing or how many times you get to hear all the interesting facts about yourself. But did you know how many results come back if you just Google Dr. Gary Chapman? How many results? I have, no, I have no idea. I was stunned this morning. 22 million. 22 million? 22 yeah. million. <sighs> what does that mean? It means <laughs> you may be the most powerful man on the planet. <laughs> but you obviously, the five love languages was utterly brilliant. And I love when I'm reading and just catching up on different articles written about it. Um, how it, it seems like you have a very similar journey as my dad had that you were struggling early on in your own marriage. And was that sort of the result of the five love languages was almost in essence, Hey, how but, can I get mine better? Yeah. Well, you know, no question about it. Uh, Carolyn and I struggled greatly in the early years of our marriage. We were both Christians, both committed really believe God had brought us together, uh, but we struggled greatly in those early years. And uh, the love languages didn't come early uh, in our marriage. I mean, we, had, we were beginning to get some things together before I discovered the love languages. Love languages actually grew out of my counseling experience with couples, in which over and over again in my office, one of them would say, I just feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. We're like two roommates living in the same house. And the other one would say, well, I don't understand that. You know, I do this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? And, and I knew that people were being were sincere. They were sincerely loving the other person, but the other person wasn't getting it. And eventually I, I, I thought, you know, I'm, there's got to be a pattern to this. So I sat down and read several years of notes that I made when I was counseling people and asked myself the question, when someone sat in my office and said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages. So I started using that in my counseling and helping couples discover each other's love language. And sometimes they would come back, uh, Michael, in three weeks and say, Gary, this is changing everything. I mean, the climate's different now. And then I started using it in small groups, and the same thing would happen. And probably five years later, I thought, you know, if I could put this concept in a book, write it in the language of the common person, maybe I could help a lot of people I would never have time to see in my office. So that's what motivated me to write the book. Little did I know, as you said earlier, the book has now sold 11 million copies in English and been translated in 50 languages that's around the world. Crazy which absolutely you know, blows my mind. And people ask me, how do you account for that? And I say, well, the short answer is God. 
And the long answer is God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, well, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's funny that, that you use the phrase, uh, I wanted to put this discovery in, into kind of like the common person's language. Gary, I was blown away to find out, is it true that you have five degrees? A BA well, from Moody, three, three masters, and a two, PhD. Actually, actually, two masters. Really? Two masters and a PhD. Yeah, maybe maybe you found another one for me. I, I don't know. This <laughs> <laughs> one sitting around. I, I'll, I'll say I got a little actually, suspicious because it said an MA in anthropology from Wheaton and from Wake Forest, and I went, hmm. Well, well the, B, the BA in anthropology is from Wheaton College. Ah. It's from Wake Forest University. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's, that's the deal. Now, you know, yeah. you and I, I also, I, I got my master's in clinical psychology from Wheaton College. Okay. All right. So we have a very similar trajectory. I just yeah. have fewer degrees and, and far less books sold around the world. <laughs> but you're a lot younger, Michael. Yeah, I have time. I have time. <laughs> if only I looked younger. You know, we, we were talking before we started this, this podcast interview uh, about kind of what you want to hit, and you brought up uh, one of your books, When Sorry Isn't Enough. Yes. And... First, before we even get into that book, full disclosure. Is this the confession? Yeah, this is the confession because <laughs> this morning when I was just kind of going over all the books you have, uh, when you have a chance, if you're ever interested, go to my website, smalleyinstitute.com, and as you scroll down to the bottom, I actually have a free ebook that is literally titled, When Sorry Isn't Enough. Hmm. And hmm. I had no idea. I'm trying to think of when I... When I released that, because it looks like you wrote your book maybe in 2013. Yeah, you know, I don't remember exactly. The, the original title was uh, The Five Languages of Apology. Okay. And then we re when we revised it, we changed the title to When Sorry Isn't Enough. So I don't, know, I don't know the dates on either of It's those. the revision after you saw my free ebook <laughs> that you went. Maybe, that is maybe, a much maybe better. Maybe that was it. Competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about apology. Why, you know, you kind of mentioned there's two really important things to have a healthy marriage. One is obviously understanding your spouse's love language. And then you said it's now how do you handle it when you mess up? Yeah. And, and the reason I say that's an essential to a healthy marriage is because none of us are perfect. You know, one guy did raise his hand when the speaker said, does anyone know of a perfect husband? He shot his hand right up. <laughs> he said, my wife's first husband. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Well, my observation is, if there are any perfect husbands, they are deceased, and most of them got perfect <laughs> after they died, okay? <laughs> None of us are perfect, and that's why we have to deal effectively with our failures, and that's where apology and forgiveness comes in. And if we don't learn how to apologize effectively, and if we don't choose to forgive our spouse when they apologize to us, then we will not have a long-term healthy marriage. Uh, but what I discovered, and, and the, really the heart of that book, is the idea that just as people have different love languages, people have different apology languages. Interesting. That is, what they consider to be a sincere apology is different. And when you think about it, uh, Michael and Seth, uh, you know, you look back and ask, where did we learn to apologize? 
Well, typically, if we learn, we learn from our parents. Mm-hmm. You know, little Johnny pushes his sister down the stairs, and his mother says, Johnny, don't do that. Go tell sister you're sorry. Yeah. So he says, I'm sorry, even if he's not, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he's 23. He's married. He offends his wife. What's he going to say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? But she had a different mother, a different father, and they taught her, you don't just say, I'm sorry. You say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? But he doesn't say that. So he thinks he's apologizing. In her mind, he's not sincere. In her Mm. mind, sorry is not enough. She wants to hear something more. So in the book, uh, what I do is to to help people understand, uh, you know, differences in this. And and really, I came up with five, and we came up with those five. I promise you, I wasn't looking for five, <laughs> but, but I like five. I, I'm imagining <laughs> right. you were almost discouraged. You're like, oh, come on, why five? <laughs> but we asked thousands of people around the country two questions. Number one, when you apologize, what do you typically say or do? Second question, when someone apologizes to you, what do you want to hear them say mm-hmm. and do? And their answers fell into five categories. And so we call them the five languages of apology. Uh, And it's helped a lot of people because, uh, in fact, uh, I had a counselor friend of mine read the book before we released it. And he said, Gary, you know, I asked my wife to read it with me. And he said, man, this is helping us. (laughs) He said, I realized when I read the one, I'm sorry, which is expressing regret. You know, I feel badly that, that what I've done has hurt you. He said, I knew that was the way I apologize. I said, for 20 mm-hmm. years, that's what I've done. And he said, if my wife says to me that she's sorry, man, I can forgive her and let it go. But he said, it's always seemed to me like she couldn't quite let it go. It's like she said she forgave me, but it's like she kind of held it against me. And he said, when we got to the third one, which is uh, offering to make restitution, what can I do to make this up to you? Or what can I do to make this right? He said, my wife said to me, that's what I've been waiting for for 20 years, and you've never said that. <laughs> and he said, Gary, never crossed my mind, you know. But he said, now I do. And I asked her, you know, what can I do, honey, to make it up to you? And he said, she always has an idea. Yeah. <laughs> when I do it, right. he said, she forgives me. You know, he said, it's just been liberating for us. And I think, I think the concept will help a lot of people uh, realize maybe why the spouse's apology in the past has seemed a little lame to them because it wasn't what they considered to be a sincere apology. I'm wondering if you've, have you ever, or do you, do you sense any correlation between the love languages that people might have and then sort of the language of the apology that they'll need? Yeah, it's a good question, Michael. To be honest, uh, I have not. I have not done any research to try to see if there is a correlation between those two. There may be, but uh, I haven't uh, really taken time to try to figure that out. Well, I guess I just discovered the the next book that you and I get a co-author <laughs> together. <laughs> well, you do all the research, yes. Michael, and then you let me know. Hey, that's funny. That sounds exactly like my father. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so let me ask then. And, and this is really your fault that I'm having to ask this now, but what is it that Dr. Gary Chapman consistently gets in trouble with, uh, over with his wife? My wife, 
Yeah, like so. Is there, yeah, yeah, is there anything that you kind of like? My wife and I kind of have some consistent arguments or conflicts mm-hmm. that I constantly yeah. get in trouble over. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just wondering what Gary Chapman does to get himself in trouble with his wife. Well, keep in mind, Michael, we've been <laughs> married 56 years. Unbelievable. Okay? That's awesome. If we don't have it together now, <laughs> we're not going to get it together. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to let you get away with, with, with uh... but, but we But there are, there are things through, through, through the course of these 56 years that we both are fully aware of. That uh, that you know ir- irritate, but we accept those things now. In fact, I wrote a book on the second half of marriage. It's called uh, what is it called? Ke- uh, <laughs> Married and still loving it: the joys and challenges of the second half. Okay, and one of the things we found, and I say we because I wrote it with. Uh, uh, Oh, who was my co-author? <laughs> he, he was the president of Christianity Today magazine for 30 yes. years. His name's not coming to me right now. Harold, Harold Myra. Harold Myra. And what we discovered is that couples uh, in the second half who are thriving rather than just, you know, existing, have learned not only to accept the things that irritated them in the earlier years, but they've come to laugh about them. And I had a perfect illustration of that in my own marriage. Carolyn's not a morning person. Okay, I am. And before we got married, I had these visions that in the morning we'd get up and have breakfast together and have devotions together and start our day together, you know. And after I got married, I found out, you know, she didn't wake up till 10. I mean, she got up, but she didn't wake up, you know. Yeah. And, and and it irritated me in the early years, and I would talk to her about not being spiritual, you know, the great women of God get up early and pray. And, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how she put up with me, to be honest. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, we were in the, uh, it was, I don't know, but this was probably six months ago. She she got up one morning. She had to get up early to go to a meeting of some kind. So we were both in the kitchen at the same time uh, when normally I'm in there by myself, you know, fixing my breakfast and having my time with God. Well, she's in the kitchen. So the first thing that happened was I turned around and bumped my head on a cabinet door that she left open. Oh. And then I went around the counter, and I, I hit my shoulder on the microwave door that she had left open. <laughs> and then I turned around to to get a knife, and I almost tackled her because she, I didn't realize she was standing right behind me. And then I just started laughing, and I said, Carolyn, I am so glad that you are not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I do think that happens for couples that are growing. You do come not only to accept the things that once irritated you, but you come to laugh about them, and uh, and you enjoy the differences. Really, I, I really like my time alone with God, having breakfast with God. You know, He's always awake, and and it's just nice, uh, me and God. You know, <laughs> Carolyn and I can talk later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary, what do you think it is that? Because it does seem like a much more common thing for longer married couples to be able to be more accepting. What is it that leads, like, how does someone get to that place where we can accept each other's faults and even get to the place where we laugh about them? You know, I think, Michael, there's a spiritual dimension there, and at least there was for me. Uh, Unless God changes our heart, 
we are all selfish by nature. You know, my way is the right way. You know, why can't you understand this? That, that, that's just who we are by nature. We're fallen creatures and we're selfish. But when God changes the heart, then we become loving, which means we're concerned about the other person, genuinely concerned about them. We want to help them accomplish, you know, God's purposes in their lives. And so we become supportive of each other and encouraging of each other. And it's in that context, with that attitude, that we come to accept things. You know, we also change some things. You know, conversely, the other side is if your heart's been changed and you really want to minister, to serve, to help the spouse, then you are willing to change some things. Uh, and, and so I just say, change everything you can. If you find out that something irritates your spouse, try to change it. You know, let's change as much as we can. Uh, you know, I, I, I fold towels under and over now. <laughs> I never used to do that, but it makes the woman happy and it's a small thing to do, you know? Yeah. You so really change it. You're really speaking yeah, go ahead. that specific thing, speaking to my, uh, my relationship with Sean and my wife, because she and I okay. specifically fold clothes differently and <laughs> yeah. in how I fold, she does not agree with. And yeah. so yeah. I guess really Sean always listens to this uh, podcast. She's <laughs> one, of many, one of the many ways that she loves me. So apparently I need to start folding towels differently. <laughs> there you go. It's a small price to pay for a happy woman. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it sounds like what you're saying is, and, and this is hard for me to say out loud, but it sounds like what you're saying is this world isn't actually about me. Oh, you got it. You Man. got it. And, and, you know, so change as many things as you can, but you have to understand there's going to be some things your spouse either cannot change or they will not change. And I don't always know which it is. Oh, you know, for example, yeah. uh, my wife is not wired to keep up with car keys. <laughs> she misplaces her car keys every three days. And she said, honey, where are my keys? I said, well, I don't know, honey. I'll help you. And I start looking, you know, in certain places, you know, in some places that just totally blew my mind. <laughs> but, I, and I, I would, you know, I gave her lectures early on. Yeah. God oh. is a God of order. Ah. You know, and I, I put a little, I put a little clip out there in the garage and said, honey, hang them on here when you come in, you know. No, no, no. You, you can hook them to a tennis ball and, and think they certainly will not lose the tennis ball. They will lose the tennis ball, I can tell you. <laughs> so uh, there are some things that, that the other spouse is not wired to change. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not who they are. And those are the things that we come to accept rather than letting them be a bone of contention for 40 years you know, of our, of our marriage. Uh, and the couples that are thriving – are the couples who have come to change a lot of things to please the other, but they've also come to accept those things that their spouse either cannot change or for some reason they choose not to change. Wow. That's really good. That sounds like 56 years of marriage talking right there. <laughs> now, okay, so I, I'm, I know you're aware of this because you gave us such a kind, loving um, review endorsement of our, our book, but we do seminars across the country and I, I just spent a month in South Africa where I did a tremendous amount of teaching at different churches there and mm -hmm. I have a consistent joke and I, I'm I'm sure that this has never gotten back to you and and if it has I'll be really excited because I'll feel important but I doubt it has 
But I consistently, <laughs> virtually every time I do a seminar, I have a joke and we start talking about the five love languages. And I always tell people, which is a blatant total lie, that I've spoken with you personally and I've argued for years that you need to add a sixth love language. Okay. And that would be the love language of sarcasm. Sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have you. I have you on the show. What are the chances that you could add a sixth love language of sarcasm? Well, I have to be honest with you. <laughs> no one has told me that Michael Smalley said that. Dang. But I have had people say to me, there is a sixth love language, and it's sarcasm. Really? So maybe they got it from they, me. Obviously, they've or been to one of my events. Maybe it's really there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. What I have found in the past is that sarcasm tends to great people rather than love people, unless they themselves are a sarcastic person. Yes. and <laughs> That is the caveat. Unfortunately, I married a woman who uh, does not have the love language of sarcasm. <laughs> so I, that was actually one of the sources of our, um, my, uh, you know, much like your marriage, much like my father's, uh -huh. my wife and I struggled immensely yeah, the first six months of our marriage where you know, at one point, I literally at like at the three or four month uh, point in our marriage, I we got in such an ugly argument that I had run out of this log cabin we were living in that was on my dad's property in Branson. I literally ran out. I was so miserable and discouraged that I laid out in the middle of the road waiting for a vehicle to come run me over. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is how low it got. Yes. Yes, I hear you. And that, I hear you. And, and what's crazy is one of the chief conflicts that we were in was over my sarcasm. Because in my family, mm -hmm. and, and I know you knew my father, and he loved to mess mm -hmm. with people. And I don't mean sarcasm in like a degrading. critical or degrading way. Yeah. I mean, you know, fun, playful goofiness. Yeah, yeah. That's how we connected in our family. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the better the slam, the, the greater the love that we were showing each other. Yeah. And, yeah. and my yeah. wife just didn't feel the same way. And it, and it really does cause a lot of conflict. And that leads yeah. me to this question. Is, is, there, is there ever a bad, like are the, with the five love languages, are, are any of them negative? Well, all of them can be turned negative, to be sure. Interesting. You know, like words of affirmation. Instead of words of affirmation, you give critical words. That's the negative side of words of affirmation. Physical touch. Instead of affirming touch, there's abusive touch. Yeah, and you know we could we could go on down that line. Yeah. So there's a negative side to each of the love languages. Now, can one of the love languages irritate the other person, or you know, not they they don't feel loved by that? They feel more irritated by that. I assume that's possible. Uh, for example, if if you received growing up uh, a lot of word positive words, but your parents in fact were very negative and painful or physically abused you or lost their temper with you, then those words of affirmation were very meaningless to that person. You know, when the parent was sane, they would give words of affirmation. When they were insane, and I mean, yeah. I mean uh, out of control, they'd, they'd do these physical abusive things and say nasty things. The words were very meaningless to them. So for that person, when they get to be an adult and they're married, uh, their spouse may give it, be giving them words of affirmation, but it just rolls off. 
you know, like water off a duck's back. Duck's back. They don't they don't really get it. It, it. it doesn't help them at all. And the other person would think, well, I thought everybody, you know, would like yeah. a compliment, you know. Uh, but I, so I think there are things in our background that might cause us to have a negative response to one of the love languages. Uh, and I think that would probably be the background for that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, my, my wife's, and I tease about this all the time as well, is my wife only has one love language, and that's acts okay. of service. Okay. Which I, yep. in my personal opinion, think is actually a really bad love language. Because <laughs> now for my wife to feel loved, I have to do the dishes, mow the lawn, clean the bedroom. I'm constantly working to show her love. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just feels unfair. Yeah, well, you know, husbands sometimes say to me, you know, my love language is words of affirmation. How hard is that? You know, she just can give me words anytime. <laughs> she wants quality time. I got to sit down with her for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and talk to her. It's just not fair. <laughs> Same thing you're saying. <laughs> and especially if their love language is one that doesn't come natural for you. Yeah. But look at it this way. It's really a greater expression of love when it doesn't come natural for you. Uh, you My my Carolyn's love language is is also acts of service. So when I vacuum the floor, that doesn't come natural for me. You know, I'm I'm telling you, fuzzy balls do not bother me. (laughs) (laughs) Once once a year is all I would ever need to vacuum for me. (laughs) But, But I vacuum regularly for her, and she knows it doesn't come natural for me. So it's even a greater expression of love. It's even, it's even more meaningful to her uh, when, when I'm vacuuming. And she tells me, you know, it's next door to heaven. I mean, it's next door to heaven when you do the vacuuming. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so again, to me, it's a small price to pay for a happy woman. So give me the vacuum cleaner. Well, and, and <laughs> I mean, the world, you know, doesn't, in fact, revolve around me. And that's yeah. where I sometimes get frustrated in our own work with couples and either in our intensive program or at a live event is just folks' uh, resistance to wanting to lay down their life and put yeah. the needs and hopes and desires of their spouse above their own. There. Yeah. And, and, again, and again, Michael, I think that's where the spiritual dimension comes in. Yeah. When we really get it that we are called as husbands to treat our wives as Christ treated the church, that meant death for him. When we really get it, and we ask God to give us the attitude of Christ toward our wives. I'm telling you, it has a tremendous impact on her when you're asking, Honey, how can I help you? What can I do to make your life easier? How can I be a better husband to you? When we start taking that approach, uh, something happens inside of her because she begins to see that you really care about her. And obviously it could start with the wife as well because the, this the same, it takes the same attitude for the wife you know, right. toward the husband. You know, how can I help you, honey? How can I make your life easier? How can I be a better wife? And uh, when we take that approach, but we don't do that by nature. I think, I think we have to ask God to change our hearts and give us the attitude of Christ uh, in order for that to be a part of our lives. Wow. Those are some very... Big words of wisdom, and Dr. Chapman, I cannot thank you enough for being willing to come on our little podcast here and and just share your ridiculous wealth of knowledge and expertise for couples, and I just pray that God continues to bless your ministry and bless your relationships and, and that you just continue to honor him and, 
and just all the good work that you keep doing for the rest of us. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're doing, you know, so keep up the good work. There's so much need out there in, in the world, as you well know, with couples. And couples want to have a good marriage. They don't get married wanting to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of things that you all are doing uh, and that I continue to do that's helping people have the kind of marriage that they really wanted to have when they got started. So keep up the good work, and I'll try to do the same. All right. I, I appreciate it, and you have a wonderful day. All right. Same to you. What an amazing interview that was. I, I'm i like, I'm still like, my hands and feet got sweaty when we called <laughs> Dr. Chapman. <laughs> the amount of degrees. Yeah, <laughs> well, and I'm glad I was off so I once again could look like a total idiot <laughs> to one of the greats in our I field. I heard you have 17 degrees. No, actually, I have one. All right, then. Next question. Or <laughs> another good one I did was the correlation between the love languages and the uh, five. Uh, ways to apologize. Mm-hmm. You don't even remember that one. Yeah, it went, and he I was like, like "Is there a correlation?" Like, no, nah, I've never really asked that question. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take luck. Hey, if you haven't figured this out yet, Doctor Chapman, I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, like when Shauna and I uh, were doing our like our engagement, and everyone's recommending books and everything. I mean, Five Love Languages was sure. the one that you know we read as well. And, and he, I mean, he was really gracious. Like that was a fun interview. Yeah, I mean, he was fun and engaging, and I mean, I just I don't know what I was expecting. You know, you just I mean, I've met him a few times yeah. over the years, and obviously he had hung out with my father a lot more than he ever did with me. And I don't know. I really, he just he just seems like a really sweet guy. Yeah. So w- you mentioned that Amy's love language is acts of service. Yeah, that's it. That's all she has. <laughs> and what what are yours? Quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation. Uh-huh. I am what you call a high maintenance husband. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh yeah, okay, I don't I'm not really <laughs> Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think f- physical touch, quality time. Physical touch, quality time. Okay. Shauna is uh Acts of service and words of affirmation. Okay. And I'm not very good at the words of affirmation well, part. That's stunning. I, have to I never would that. have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a very kind person, though. Kind, yeah. I My struggle internally is that... Though, I mean, probably if I don't feel this towards you, I won't speak it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so just the, the, the thoughts that are, like, fleeting in my head... Of like, let's say Shauna walks by and um, she just looks super cute in my head. And, you know, I, I think that I notice that, and I'm like, dude, I married a babe. Yeah. But in those moments, I just don't vocalize it, and I should. And words of affirmation isn't one of yours, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, and that's that's always the struggle for couples is if you have different love languages and you don't have any overlap. It is. It's hard. Like, because f- for me. I could care less about acts of service. Yeah. And so for my wife, she really doesn't need, I'd probably put maybe words of affirmation at the top. Could be quality time, mm-hmm. but maybe it's words of affirmation. And, and that's not, I mean, obviously she's not a weirdo. I mean, everyone, most everyone is going to like, you know, a kind word. Yeah. But that's not her thing. So that's that's harder for her. 
She'll mm-hmm. struggle with that one because it's not hers. And that's where, and I loved his advice on, you know, with the book, you know, married and still loving it. I'd recommend anyone who's been married a while, you need to check that thing out because mm-hmm. there is so much to accepting each other, you know, and we waste so, and for you younger married people, you don't waste all these years trying to change each other. Yeah. Just be loving and gracious and patient and kind and accepting and work on yourself. Kind of like he, he hinted at. So that was that was powerful stuff. So I wonder what the the line or limit on the things that you should just laugh about of your spouse that it bother. You know? Like what is there things that need to actually be worked upon and what are the things that you can kind of just laugh off? Ah, that's a tough one. That's a hard question. I mean, obviously there's like no brainer things, right? Like, hey, I'm gonna join the Church of Satan. Ha <laughs> right. ha you're so adorable. Uh I mean I I might like my gut instinct is to say I think most of the things because most of us don't meet and find an evil person. Right. And therefore they're plotting <laughs> our destruction and death. <laughs> and, and and so therefore I would I would argue that some of the things that are quirky or that could be changed about me aren't, in the scheme of life, aren't that big of a deal. No, your things and, are a big deal. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, my things are not a big deal. But I would say the same for my wife. And that's right. funny because we're, we're going on 24 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. And that over the last few years has been one of the big themes in my own marriage is is relaxing about Amy and I's differences. Yeah. And so maybe that's maybe that's one of the lines is look if you're if you're just focusing on your differences, personality, you know whatever, surely that's not that big of a deal. Like you can yeah. let that go. Obviously, if there is like a radical need not being met, mm-hmm. um, I mean, let's say you know Amy's the marriage or the women's pastor at our church now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever. If she's working, you know, 80 hours a week, right, and she's never home, and she's constantly away and ministering to women at our church, uh, that for me isn't necessarily just a personality difference or a gender difference between. I mean, that's that's now getting towards neglect. Yeah. Right? And and that would be something I need to at least address. Mm -hmm. Now, like Dr. Chapman said, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, am I really going to divorce my wife? Which she doesn't do this. But is that really what I'm going to divorce her over because she works too much? I mean, right. yeah, would it be nice to cut that back and to be able to have more time together? Sure it would. Uh, I still don't think it's divorce worthy. And mm-hmm. that's where people, I think, really mess up is, yeah, they turn things that are legitimate, but they turn them into catastrophic. Yeah. and it, And it might be... You know, well, I, and I was even dealing with this recently with some high-profile people, either in Hollywood entertainment or athletics. And it's almost like if you if you're going in that direction, people who marry people like uh, uh, or surgeons or head mm-hmm. football coaches, right? I mean, at some point you got to realize, all right, <laughs> I am not going to have a husband or wife. 
that's going to be home that much during the week because of what they do. Right. Or if you marry a full-time military person, Mm -hmm. they're going to be gone for nine months at a time. They're going to be gone for 12 months at a time. Yeah. And you can't now suddenly make that a deal breaker. It's like, well, wait wait a minute. You knew this going in. Yeah, you got into this. Right. And even if if there was a change of course or a change of direction and they end up they end up going into the. I mean, yeah, I mean, as long as that's discussed, yeah, as well, it needs to be. It needs to be. And I think one of the key things he shared during the interview is it's not about you, right? Yeah, you know, like how can I serve? How can I lay down my life? How can I submit to my spouse? And things tend to work out pretty well. Yeah, if I mean, we're willing to do that. And it's just like what we talked about all the time is just that uh, you can only be responsible for yourself, personal responsibility, and. You can't change your spouse, or your partner. You can only change you. So yeah. So how can right. I make that happen? What things can I do um, that I would like to see done as well? And you notice he totally ignored my what's the what's the biggest thing that Gary Chapman does to get in trouble on a consistent basis? Oh yeah, yeah. totally avoided it. He's like, I'm not telling you. Yeah, he didn't give me any dirt. <laughs> I tried to get dirty. And he was like, no deal. What's your biggest? Yeah, I'm going to avoid that, too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm trying to think. I I don't mind sharing that. My biggest would be, oh, my heavens. I should be able to think. I mean, mine usually has to do with uh, just the way I communicate my tone of voice. Okay. Um, What, for me, in my head, I don't mean in this negative belittling way it often comes across that way and so then we'll then we'll start getting in uh discussions about how you know she's upset because of how i said something I'm like of your tone. I, I didn't say it like that but now so your strategy well, is to invalidate that, <laughs> yeah. well you like when we came in yesterday and you asked me like did i hear you just talk about like negative yeah. beliefs it was uh, because of something I said in the car, and she's like, what I heard was this, this, and this. And she, like, added words that I didn't say. I'm like, that's awesome. I didn't even, like, literally didn't even say those things. But that's what she heard uh, because that's how she felt. And that wasn't the tone that I was Intended. trying to. Yeah. Which is always the sticky point. Mm-hmm. Is when we get in trouble for things we didn't intend, it's hard. It's hard to validate then. I would probably say with Amy, it's either... My lack of overall cleanliness. Like personal hygiene? Not, well, yeah, that's in there. <laughs> Apparently, the jacuzzi isn't a substitute for a shower. What? I have plenty no of chlorine idea. in there. Yeah. I think I'd argue I'm cleaner coming out of the jacuzzi. Uh, so, cleanliness, but more picking up, messing this around right. the house, or lack of follow through, mm-hmm. which can be manifested in forgetfulness. You know, distractibility. Yeah. Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most consistent. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to cry. <laughs> I'm a failure. Don't worry. I'll hold you later. <laughs> oh, thank you. Off air. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, everybody. That is it on the show. And we thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can download our Reignite Your Marriage app on basically any platform. 
And you'll want to because it's not only free, it gives you a ton of really helpful tools. At smalleyinstitute.com, you can also check out our extensive library of online courses. Very extensive. It is. And there's like tons of hours of video, all from our very best series on marriage and parenting. So you'll want to check those things out as well. And then, of course, if you uh, enjoyed this interview with the Dr. Gary Chapman, let us know. Jump on iTunes and leave us a review. And uh, let us know how we did or how we didn't do, because we want to improve. Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com or give us a call toll-free at 888-565-6462. I was shaking from a storm in me Haunted by the specters that we had to see Yeah, I wanted to be the melody Above the noise, above the hurt I was young Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. My heart skips skipping the beat. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. I think you know what you're doing to me, you got With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.